everybody. How you doing? And welcome to episode number 84 of the John Riley Project. This is a podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're broadcasting as we always do from Poway, California, the city in the country. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate you participating in this podcast. We get so much feedback from people on Facebook and people responding in the YouTube comment section, people responding to some of the posts we do in Twitter. I encourage all kinds of feedback. Let me know your thoughts on the things we're discussing. If you have opinions, if you like what I'm saying, if you have a problem with what I'm saying, and I know some of you do, let me know. Um, I'm uh, all ears. I'm all for civil, rational conversation and would love your feedback. Thanks for everybody that's been offering feedback. Well, anyways, today we're going to talk about a fun topic and we're just going to ask the question, how much do you tip? You know, so when you're out at restaurants, you're dealing with other people in the service industry, what kind of tips do you do you leave? Um, and what kind of tips do you offer for these people that offer you a prompt service, right? Um, and so I'm going to break this down, give you my opinions, my thoughts on this. Um, but, you know, like I, I, I always kind of kick off these podcasts. I try to give you a little insight what's going on in my world and things I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm still really enjoying that podcast we did yesterday with Jennifer Klein. And, you know, she's a musician here in Poway. And boy, she had some great story to tell. Just fascinating. I mean, first of all, her music is wonderful. Um, you know, I, if you had a chance to listen to music, to check out the videos, I, I just think she does a great job. Um, the uh, song Lean Into Joy I thought was terrific and the video was recorded here in, in actually in the old Poway section of Poway is where she lives um, so the the video was shot there and some of the backstories to all of her different songs was just a really neat experience but then she got into talking about her her, her childhood being raised um, you know by, by her parents but in the Synanon uh, commune and I had to look it up, and that's a very controversial group that um, had a number of, um, I guess, strong opinions on therapy, on drug rehabilitation, but there were some, you know, pretty crazy things that happened in that commune. Fortunately, mostly um, at the adult level, she was a child living through it. It was amazing to learn about the things that she experienced as a child, the things that she witnessed in the commune. And in many cases, they were, she had a wonderful experience, but she was also exposed to some really challenging things. Uh, it was just a really moving um, podcast interview. So I encourage you to check that out. I am also still personally reeling from last night's Game 6 in the American League Championship Series, Jose Altuve. Man, that guy is unbelievable. And, you know, I, I talk about believing in yourself. In fact, I did a podcast on it. When I'm posting in social media, I'm always usually reinforcing that message. Jose Altuve, when he first came to the uh, Astros, he tried out with them. They rejected him because he was so small. I mean, this guy's only five foot six, 161 pounds, and by professional athlete standards, he's a very small man. Um, and they dismissed him and didn't give him a chance. And he kept fighting because he knew he was good. He kept believing in himself. And then looks what happens 
last night. He has a game-winning home run in the bottom of the ninth inning to beat the New York Yankees and send the Houston Astros to the World Series for the second time in three years. I mean, what a great story. And this is coming off the heels of DJ LeMahieu's top of the ninth two-run homer to tie the game. So just incredible drama. That's why I think baseball is just one of the greatest sports on the planet. It's just so much drama, intrigue. Just it, it was a it was a really special moment last night. So I'm still loving that. And then I'm still getting over all this Tulsi Gabbard, Hillary Clinton, Russian asset stuff that's been in the news this weekend. Oh my God. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard's an interesting character. She you know, she's very much aligned on social issues with Bernie Sanders. Um not necessarily the candidate that would be someone I would normally support, but she is the most outspoken candidate on ending the regime change wars in the Middle East. And to me, that's a very hot topic. And I give her great credit uh, to show great bravery to fight for peace in the Middle East and to get American troops out of the way. And I think... um, That's a good message, Uh, but she is just being condemned for it. And now Hillary Clinton is coming out and saying that she's a Russian asset and doing the bidding of Vladimir Putin. And it's just these conspiracy theories are unbelievable in politics. So uh, that whole thing has been sort of this weird drama in the, um, I guess, the Twitter sphere as well. So crazy stuff, but overall, great weekend, you know, get a chance to you know, visit with uh, with Jennifer Klein. And that was just a really special podcast interview. And I invite you to ju- to check that one out. OK, so we're going to get into this topic of how much do you tip? And to me, this is a really interesting topic because it's always so confusing, you know, like, who do you tip? Who do you not tip? How much do you tip? You know, and the rules in some cases are unwritten, in some cases unspoken. In other cases, it's written, but you're not sure what's true. Um, so I'm I'm always perplexed by this. And, you know, at a previous time, I invited uh, people from the service industry, and I, this invitation is on the table as well. If you work in a restaurant, if you work in, in, let's say, the hospitality industry where tips are a significant portion of your income, I would love for you to join me here on the podcast and have a conversation about what you've experienced from customers and tipping, because I'll bet you've got a lot of great stories to share, uh, good, bad, and ugly. Um, but I'm going to share with you my thoughts. I've, I've had a huge evolution on the topic of tipping. I've changed dramatically. And I want to walk you through that and tell you where I was, where I am now, and some of the things that are going on. And so in the beginning, like when I was a young adult, I mean, of course, when I was a teenager and I, tipping was something that was something that I, you know, my parents did when we went to go out to dinner or something, but, and that was pretty rare. Uh, but at any rate, tipping became a thing, you know, when I, when I became a young adult and I was always just kind of, I don't know what the right word is, bitter, you know, like, why am I doing this? Why, do, why do you have to tip? I mean, shouldn't providing service just be a standard thing that people offer you? Because like when I go do business in a lot of other categories, they provide prompt service, but I don't have to tip them. Why do I have to tip these people? And I was always kind of, I don't know, um, 
maybe contrarian to it. I, maybe I was just opposing it or I was just struggling with it. So it was just a really odd thing. And, and then, you know, so I, I would still do, you know, the customary 15% when I was at restaurants, but I just always kind of felt weird about it. And then, um, and then you, we would hear people say, well, now you can't just tip 15%. You got to tip 18%, 20% because, you know, it's inflation. And then I would kind of got a little bit more bent out of shape. And I was thinking, well, well, the price of the goods are inflating. And so the 15% on the inflated price ends up delivering more dollars. You, inflation isn't an argument for raising the tip percentage. It was just uh, an argument for raising the price of goods sold and then the percentage applied. So I always thought that was an odd thing. And um, and then the confusion, like, yeah, who do you tip? And you know, when you're using a hotel room, do you tip the maid? If you do, how much? And and the whole thing, it, because it was confusing, because there were no standards, because there was these attempts to change things, um, you know, I, I, I just became kind of jaded to it when I was like in my 20s. Um, you know, I'm 54 years old now. I, like I said, I've completely changed on this issue. I'm walking you through where I was. And then I remember thinking, well, you got to do the math. And why am I doing math when I'm figuring out how much to pay a bill? And you wanted to treat them fairly, but you didn't want to overpay. And, and it was confusing. And and then, you know, I would sometimes there were times when I had very poor service. And it could have been for any number of reasons. Maybe the, the waiter wasn't friendly. Maybe they were slow. And I remember there were a few times that I used the tip as a way to, I guess, fight back where I wouldn't give a tip because I thought that they didn't they didn't warrant receiving the tip and I would just leave zero. It was rare that I would ever do that. But I remember doing it a few times. And I guess part of it was because I was, again, just irritated by the whole concept of tipping. Like, why do we have to tip? Why isn't the price just bundled in? Why isn't it, you know, if I go buy from a regular retail store, I don't have to tip the worker. Why do I have to tip the worker in these other categories? And I was just bent out of shape about it. Um, now, meanwhile, I'll just say this, is that when I was in, was it in high school or college? I think it was in college. Yeah, in fact, it was. I was, um, it was the summer... It was either the summer in between high school and freshman year of college, or it was the summer between freshman and sophomore year of college. It was one or the other. I worked at the fish market. And, you know, the fish market is a chain of restaurants. And there's one in Del Mar here in San Diego. But we had one in San Mateo. And I, I grew up in Burlingame. And I remember I used to work there as a busboy. And I would get tip money. And I don't know how in the heck they did it. I mean, obviously the wait staff, the waiter, these are mostly female waitresses were collecting the tips at the table and I don't know how much they got. And then as we were cleaning up, you know, one of the waitresses would come over and then hand me some money and it would vary. It'd be a $10, $18. I mean, it would just vary. And I was, I was always perplexed by it too. It's like, how do they decide? How much are they getting? What's my proportion? What algorithm are they using? I didn't know. And so I just, you know, obviously I took the money and said thank you. Um, but that was also part of my my confusion, my irritation, you know, like why is this working this way? Why is this system so like in the shadows? Why is why is it not just out in front where we can see the pricing, we know the percentage? And like for example, why doesn't the restaurant just say that I mean, I'm going to make up some numbers. 33% of it goes to the wait staff and 25% of it goes to the bus boys and 
you know, 30% goes to the chef or whatever. Why don't they have that like as a written policy? But they never did. And so it was just like at the end of the day, it was like you were pulling a lever on a slot machine and then some amount of money you received. Um, so it, it was just it was just confusing. Um, and And even still to this day, I often wonder when I leave tips – how is it distributed? And are are the are all the people on staff really being compensated? I still don't know. Um, I hope to know. Um, so, anyways, I, I had been this way uh, all of my twenties. You know, I was just kind of jaded. And then, you know, you, you, as you get a little older, you start earning a little more money. And, and then I wasn't as freaked out by it. And so, through most of my thirties and even into my forties, you know, I was like, okay, this is kind of standard. You just do the fifteen percent wherever you tipped you did what was normal. Um, and, you know, like if I ever was in a hotel on a porter, move my bags, I'd always give them a couple of bucks a bag. And and so I was kind of, I had gotten over it basically and understood the way the system worked. But then two things happened in my life that radically changed my opinion of tipping. The first one was, and this was probably maybe 10 years ago or so, where you started hearing this concept of a living wage. Because remember, you know, there, there's always a movement. It doesn't matter when you are um, in history, when, what's going on with the economy. There's always a movement to raise the minimum wage. Well, now the, what had happened is, is the vocabulary changed, the, the targets changed, and they said, well, a minimum wage isn't good enough. We need a living wage. We need a wage so that people um, you know, don't have to be on food stamps in order to survive, that the wage that they earn from a full-time job should be able to sustain them, pay for rent and f- housing and you know, food and, and, and everything they basically need. And I get that. I understand that point. And, you know, we can argue about what minimum wage is and what it represents and should the minimum wage be a living wage. And actually, that's a whole other podcast. I should do a podcast just on the minimum wage because that's an interesting topic to break down as well. But I just want to focus on the fact that the living wage argument became part of the ongoing conversation. And I remember a person that I know here in San Diego, his name is Richard Ryder. And you, you may have heard of this guy. He's he's a very strong anti-tax guy. And he is um, frequently in the news here in San Diego, especially whenever there is a, a tax increase on the table. And they usually get a pro and a con. He is almost always the anti-tax guy that represents. He's a frequent guest on KUSI um, Channel 9 slash 51. Um, so anyways, I, I think Richard Ryder is a good guy. I mean, he definitely is a hardcore anti-tax guy, but he he's clever. He's got some interesting insight. I enjoy hearing what he has to say. And he made a really interesting point about living wage that really stuck with me. And he said, if you believe so confidently that people that are working in these jobs need to make more money, then just tip them more. And I thought, wow, okay, that makes, I kind of get that, you know, because if you, you know, these people were fighting, you know, obviously to raise the minimum wage, to get the minimum wage up to the so-called living wage standard. And he said, well, rather than you know, trying to change the whole system and get Sacramento involved and do all these things, you could take matters into your own hands right now and just tip them more and actually give them even more than a living wage. You could be extra generous. And I mean, 
that really stuck with me. I mean, it really did. I, I thought to myself, yeah, I mean, you know, we can have the whole argument about minimum wage and however that plays out is how it plays out. And that's going to take time and other people are involved. But in the meantime, you can you can act according to your own values right now. You can give people more money so that it, it helps them immediately. And and the better yet, you're not actually paying it to the company who then has to then you know, take that as income and then decide how it's distributed. And they may or may not raise the wages of the employees. You can give the money directly to the employee as a tip. And I thought, well, this is, this is great, you know, because I, I, I often talk about the gig economy and how I like it because it takes the middleman out. It, the, you know, the person spending the money goes directly to the person doing the service. And so increasing the tips was a way to do that. Now, I, I understand that those workers are also getting a paycheck and they're on the payroll and they're getting paid through the revenue that comes to the business. But at least with the tipping. I could actually deliver it directly to the person. And so immediately I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to tip more because I, I get this. I understand this. And, and um, I think I can exhibit my own – how should I say? My own appreciation because these people are providing a service to me. These people are not just delivering a product or a service, but they're doing it in a way to try to make me feel good, to solve my problems, do it with a smile, um, sometimes go be above and beyond the call of duty. And I said, you know what? I, I've evolved on tipping. I used to be this jaded person when I was younger. And then I kind of got to a point of sort of neutrality on tips as a, as a middle-aged person. And again, about 10 years ago, I finally said, you know what? I'm just going to start tipping more. And so I did. And and then, you know, I used to see people um, you see these things on the news uh, or excuse me, on social media where they would leave a tip and on the receipt, they would say uh, someone would handwrite on the receipt to say, this is not a tip. This is a gift. This is a gift you can put directly in your pocket. And, and this was from a lot of the anti-tax people where they were trying to say, well, you know, because tips are taxable. So rather than having to declare it as income. Some of these customers were leaving generous tips and then writing on the receipt, this is not a tip, it is a gift, or writing it on their napkin and then putting the money in that. I like that idea, again, because I'm, I like this gig economy, you know, giving money directly to the worker. And so I was just kind of digging that whole idea, that whole vibe. And then um, and then the, the second thing happened in my life is that my children started working. And the, both of my kids worked at Mama Cella's, which is this Italian restaurant in Rancho Bernardo. It's a great family-run restaurant. Um, I've talked about it numerous times on this podcast, including when Lee Hacksaw Hamilton was there getting a, um, a meatball sandwich. But uh, at any rate, it's a, it's a wonderful family-run restaurant. And when my daughter first started working there, she was a hostess. And so as a hostess, she would have to seat people um, when they arrived and sometimes get them water, you know, kind of service them before uh, the waiter was able to come to their table. But then secondly, what she did is she handled all of the to-go orders. And so, you know, people would call in and say, I want a pizza, I'll come and pick it up, or I want, you know, a meatball sandwich, I want to come and pick it up. And she was telling me how she would get tips. And I was like, really? Because I had never left tips for takeout. I used to always think that you tipped the waiter because of the service they offered. But I thought, well, with takeout, 
the waiter is really irrelevant. So why am I tipping? You know, I, I just never really thought of it as a thing to tip. And then she shared with me that, yeah, most people don't tip, but some people do. And all the tips that were on the tables for the you know sit down customers went to the wait staff and went through the traditional distribution with the you know the cooks and the bus boys however they chose to do it whatever the heck the algorithm is who knows but the tips that came in directly from the pickup customers those tips went exclusively to the hostesses and so and it was very hit and miss depending on which people would tip. Some would leave tips, but very, but most would not. And there'd be some nights where she wouldn't make any tips at all. And there'd be other nights she'd come up with like 20 bucks and I, on top of her wage. And I thought, interesting, you know. And so this really opened up my mind as well. And I said to myself, well, gee whiz, I need to start tipping. Not only do I need to be more generous in who I tip – um, and how I tip, but I've got to open my mind up to all these other categories of people that really I should start tipping. And so I've dramatically changed. I am now extra generous. So remember before I said, when I got to the point of neutrality, it was just kind of the basic 15% at restaurants. Well, now for me, it's the minimum is 20%. Um, and I'm often tipping far more than that. And you know, I'll share some examples with you. And then when I'm um, getting takeout, I'm, I'm tipping at least 10%, including at places that you would normally not expect to tip. Um, I'm often leaving tips as well. Um, as a matter of fact, I was over in Poway. I went to Pacific Pizza, which is um, this new pizza restaurant that's right next to the original Pancake House in Poway, and ordered... Um, uh, what did we order? Yeah, we ordered, uh, my wife and I went for lunch. We got a slice of pizza and a salad and a drink. And it was like 15 bucks plus tax. And then I remember I left a $3 tip, 20%. And, and you know, they didn't really, it, it wasn't like a, you know, a traditional sit down place. It was just a pizza thing. And they just hand you the food on a plate. Um, but so anyways, this was something that never in a million years would I have tipped before. But now I'm finding myself to be a lot more generous. And then I learned more about it because what was interesting is that, you know, in some states, if you are working in certain categories of business, the the minimum wage you receive is far less than the regular minimum wage. And so in California, they changed the rules. So in California, the minimum wage is for, you know, wait staff or for waiters and, and other categories is the same minimum wage as the rest of the you know, the service economy, there's still the same minimum wage for everybody. But in other states, the minimum wage is only $2.13 an hour, dramatically less, because they've been able to justify that because they say, well, those people that work get most of their money from tips. And then I thought about that. And I went, well, is that fair? Is that not fair? But it just opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, when people say that a great portion of their incomes comes from tips, they're not lying. It's real. And so, again, I started really thinking about this, and it changed the way I thought about tips. Um, and, you know, we can argue about the way things ought to be versus the way things are. I mean, we can still have the argument about whether or not we want to have a society where we do tipping. Maybe the price needs to be bundled in. Other people think that tipping is a great thing uh, because you reward people for service and the people that are providing it, they think it's a great thing too. So, And we'll get into that. But, you know, 
I've tried, I've gotten to the point where I'm not so much worry, arguing about the system or worried about the system. I'm just saying, well, the system is what it is. And now I'm, I've adjusted my behavior dramatically where I'm extending tips far more and far often. And it was interesting too. You know, I, I talked about our trip and, and I did a podcast not too long ago about my wife and I, we did a trip and we went to Butte, Montana where I did some family research, my ancestry research. And then we did the trifecta of the three Southern cities, Nashville, Memphis, and New Orleans. And we were noticing that, you know, we're seeing a lot more of those kiosks where you go to the counter and you go to pay, and then they have this iPad essentially right at the, at the point of sale. And it's usually like this white iPad and then they flip it around to you and then you can slide your card in and then it automatically gives you the option to leave tips, you know, 10%, 15%, 20%. We were starting to see this even in non food situations. Um, that was interesting to me. And, and, and even in those cases, you know, we were finding that it was, the default that they use was interesting because sometimes, you know, you, you can program them so that it'll be 15%, 18%, 20%, other, whatever. You would think that the default would have been 15% because that's generally what most, most people understand. But a lot of these places were doing the default at 20%. And so we were like, ah, interesting. You know, so obviously these this way said they're trying to ask for more and – all my my experiences were pleasant, and so we were just doing the twenty percent automatically, even if it wasn't for food, even if it was for some other thing. Um, I was still doing the twenty percent. Um, so, again, this is all part of my transformation of becoming more generous. But at the same time, it was interesting to note how technology is involved, and it's enabling non people that are in positions that are normally not tipped are able to collect tips. Um, so it was intriguing. Now, there was another interesting part of the story, and we were in New Orleans. And one of the things that I enjoy doing when I go to a city that I've never been to is to find one of those. Um, it's kind of like we have in San Diego, those old town trolleys. It's basically a tour bus that you get on. It drives you around the city and gives you a narration. And you kind of get the lay of the land. You understand some of the most important aspects of the city. And you know who talks about this a lot as a really good practice is Rick Steves. And if you ever followed him, I mean, what an amazing guy he is. Incredible travel guy. Uh, when my daughter and I were in Europe a few years ago, we were always listening to his downloads, uh, walking through these cities and these tours. He did a wonderful job. He's like a European travel expert. Um, but he often said, even no matter where he is, even if he's in the United States, if he's in a city he's never been, always go on those you know, tourist buses, those double-decker buses, and get a lay of the land. And by the way, the first time I ever experienced that was when I was in New York for the first time and loved it. I thought it was just so awesome. And you can hop on, hop off, and I just thought it was great. Well, anyways, um, we were on the bus tour, and the uh, narrator would made a comment you know, about how, you know, we depend on tips and it's a big part of our income. And so if you feel we deserve it, you know, because they did it in a positive way, they didn't come off like they were begging for it. They were just basically saying, this is kind of the way it works. And they say, if you think we deserve it, then please, by all means, leave a tip. And 
there were two things that happened. We were, we were on the bus and we were in New Orleans and keep in mind, it was just hot. It was, we were there at the first week of October. So just a couple of weeks ago, and they were setting record temperatures for those dates on the calendar while we were there. And okay, I'm, I'm sure that's going to invite the climate change people, and that's we're going to set that aside. Um, but it was it was really hot, it was really humid, so we didn't want to be up on the upper deck. And even though they had shade, even though we were driving around, we were in a relatively new bus. We stayed on the lower deck because it was air conditioned and we were comfortable. And so the narrator said, you know, on your way out, we have got this tip jar, and it was more like a not a jar. It was like this structure. It was about the, you know, those little um, neighborhood free libraries that exist. It was like that size. Um, it was, uh, I don't know, like, like the, if you can imagine a three dimensional home plate, it was like that size, like a little house. And, um, and, and so, so they said, if you feel generous that you can leave a tip there. Well, we sat down on the bottom, and we saw the people flow out of it. And I was curious. I was thinking, how many people are going to leave a tip? And people went by, and I'll tell you what, the one time I checked, it was about one person, one person out of about 15 to 18 people that walked off that bus left a tip. I was like, wow, that's really low. That's a lot lower than I expected it to be. Now, meanwhile, (laughs) this is me and my hypocrisy on all this, at that moment, we were on the bus and neither of us had any cash on hand. And we were like, oh, man. And then we just felt awful because we wanted to leave a tip, but we didn't have the cash available to do it. And we just we felt like losers after, you know, we've been we were talking about tipping and everything else. Um, and so we ended up being one of those people that went off the bus that didn't leave a tip. So, you know, fire a bullet at me. Um, but it was interesting that only like one out of about 15, to 18 people actually left a tip. I was surprised by that. Um, and then, um, again, talking about gig economy stuff, this is the other thing that happened on our trip. Uh, we, on our drive to the airport, our daughter dropped us off, but on our, when we came back, um, she was, you know, she was up in Los Angeles or something. And so she couldn't pick us up. And so we didn't have a ride. And so we had to use Uber. Now I've, have I, you know, I've, I, I had never used Uber. This was my first time. I had the app on my phone, but for whatever reason, I just never needed Uber. And so I was like excited to try it for the first time. And we got a Uber at the airport and the, the app worked great. And I was loving this. I'm like, hey, I'm practicing what I preach because I love the gig economy. I'm a big fan of not just Uber, but the whole concept of Uber, the, you know, the Uber version of this, the Uber version of that. Love it because uh, it's empowering people to be self-employed, which I'm a huge fan of. So I was excited. I'm, I'm practicing what I preach. And so we got a driver and our driver was wonderful, a young lady. And she was personable. She helped us. She was friendly. She was funny. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to definitely leave a tip. And so I was looking on the app, trying to figure it out. And the, I remember the drive cost us about 46 bucks, and that was from the airport to our home in Poway. And I was thinking to myself, well, that's, that's way cheaper than it would be if we took one of those Cloud9 shuttles, because I remember using those like 20 years ago, and it was, you know, it was quite a bit more, especially because they charge per person. Um, and here, the Uber, it's just one fee for the two of us. So um, I remember we left a $15 tip, and... If you do the math on that, what is that? Um, $15 on 
Well, 40, that's like a little over 30%, probably uh, 33%. But we felt good about it. And, and, and it took me a while to figure out on the app how to do it. And, and then I thought, okay, I guess that's customary, right? Because I remember asking the driver on the, on, on the drive, I, I want to leave you a tip. I'm not sure how to do it. And she, she, wasn't, she didn't really respond. I don't think she wanted to look like she was begging for tips. But then I eventually found the little spot on the app, and I just added 15 bucks to it. And we got out of the car, great service, and we felt good about it. And I left a generous tip, which was all part of my, you know, my whole thing about this tip, essentially, revolution that began about 10 years ago. And then I was feeling good about you know, the gig economy and Uber. Well, as I was preparing for this podcast... I looked up an article and it was from an Uber driver and the Uber driver was making a list of all the reasons on what would constitute a good tip for an Uber driver. And they, he talked about, um, you know, if they help you with your bags, if they're friendly, um, if you bring a dog, you should tip. If their car smells good, you should bring it, uh, leave a tip. He had like seven, nine recommendations and they all made sense. Well, what he said in the article, which was surprising, is he said that only about 20 to 25% of customers actually leave him a tip. And I was surprised because I always thought it was customary. Like whenever you take a taxi, you leave a tip. I, and I've always done that. Um, and I've always, again, I probably when I was in my 20s, I was thinking 10 or 15%, but now I'm a lot more generous. Um, but I was surprised that that wouldn't have just carried over to Uber, that the tip percentage I would expect to be 80% or more. But he, the, the guy in the article said it was only 20 to 25% of customers left a tip of any amount. And that, that was surprising to me. So, um, so anyways, th- this whole, con- I mean, I'm very interested in learning from you. What, who do you tip? How much do you tip? What are your own standards? Um, and I, the classic one is just when you go to a restaurant and it's a sit-down restaurant, what, what's your minimum, you know, what's the right amount? What do you do? Um, have you ever been extraordinarily generous um, and given humongous tips? Um, you know, you hear cases of people leaving $100 bills. Um, have you ever had experiences where you've left nothing? And if so, why? I'm, I just think this whole topic is interesting because – we all have different perspectives and we've had different experiences and the rules are not hard and fast. The rules are very loose. So anyways, in this article, and I'll leave the, the, in the show notes, I'll include this link. And this is the same article um, that talked about, uh, you know, the Uber driver that only about, a, you know, a quarter of his passengers actually left a tip. Apparently for taxis, you're supposed to leave between 15 and 20%. And again, I don't know who invented these numbers, um, but this is what the article said. So taxis, 15 to 20% of the fare should be the tip. If you're, if you have luggage, you know, and you're dealing with a porter, you know, like the guy at the, at the hotel that takes your bags, or if you're dealing with a shuttle driver, um, it's a two bucks a bag. And I do that. I, I know that whenever I go to long-term airport parking and then you get on the bus and then they take you to the airport, I always give the guy, you know, at least a couple of bucks a bag. And that sounds about right. Um, housekeeping is an interesting one. And in this article, it talked about um, leaving a tip for your maid at the hotel. And I remember this was another interesting one because 
you heard that some people tip, other people didn't. You never knew how much to tip. A lot of times you never really saw them. And then you're not sure what's standard. And it was always kind of this confusing thing. Um, but the the crazy thing in the article, I, I was shocked to read this, but it was interesting, is they said that if you do leave a tip in a hotel for a, you know, for the, the maid service, you should never, ever leave the tip on the bedside table. It should always be at the desk because if you leave it at the bedside table, it has a sexual connotation. I was like, oh my God. And so people have really thought through the psychology of all this. And they're like, wow. Um, so, um, so housekeeping. And again, I don't know what's the percentage or what's the amount. Is it just a couple of bucks or is it at like, 10% of your room fare? I don't really even know. Um, this is something I need to learn. But lately, all I ever do is I use Airbnb. I don't even, I mean, it's rare for us to use a hotel anymore. Um, should we tip Airbnb? I don't know. I, help me understand because I, this is, again, I'm just, this whole issue is just really interesting to me. Um, then here's another one. I, like the person that cuts your hair, how much do you tip them? And I used to, when I, when I was younger, I, I tipped, but I thought it's supposed to be 15%, right? Isn't that the rule? Because that's what it is in restaurants. But then I realized apparently with people who cut your hair, it's supposed to be more. Well, I, I, lately, um, I've been getting my hair cut at this place here in Poway called Fresh Out the Barber Shop. And it's this young man, his name is Evel. And he is a great young man. He's got to be in his early 20s. He's an entrepreneur. He started up his own barbershop. This kid, and I call him a kid because I'm older than him, but he's sharp as a tack and he understands the business um, and he really takes great pride in his craft. And I just, I really enjoy going to visit with him. And so he he, he charged me 20 bucks for a haircut. I gave him 35. So $15 tip. That's all I what, 75% tip. Um, so, and I felt good about that. And I, that seemed right to me. Um, but you know, what's right to you? What, what, you know, when women get their hair done, it could cost a hundred bucks or more if they're getting it colored and everything else. How much of a tip are you supposed to leave them? I don't know the answer. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, so again, it's just, it's fascinating. Now, the other interesting thing that I've noticed is that there are some restaurants where you go and then you get the bill and all of a sudden there's this added fee and it's it's got a, like a very vague name to it. Um, and sometimes it'll say labor fee. And what this is, is these are businesses that are adding a fee on top of the bill essentially to cover themselves for the raising minimum wage because they didn't want to raise the prices in their menu, perhaps because they made it seem like they're even more expensive. In some cases, I think maybe they were trying to make a political point to say, hey, look, we're getting hit with more expense because of the raise in minimum wage. So here is what we have to ask you to absorb a certain amount of it. And I think I've seen it sometimes as a percentage, sometimes as a flat dollar amount. And the place that I remember most recently where this happened is we we went to um, it's a really nice restaurant. If you've ever been there, it's called Ventana. And it's the restaurant that's upstairs, up above the Lexus dealership in Escondido. And you know, it, it was a, we went there, it was a special occasion, it was a nice restaurant. And by the way, the bread that they serve there is unbelievable. Um 
what do they call them? Poppers, I think. And it was almost like a muffin. Um, it had me thinking about Seinfeld and the top of the muffin and that whole thing. But the bread there was spectacular. I mean, I think we, we, we still talk about it. Um, but anyways, they, I remember they had a fee. And in fact, when we walked in at the hostess desk, right, you know, right before they seat you, there was a sign there that said that for every bill, there's going to be this fee. And to me, that's interesting as well. And then I think, all right, well, if you add that in, then, you know, is the tip a percentage of the base amount of the food? Is the tip a percentage of that plus the added fee? Is the tip a percentage of that plus the added fee plus a tax? And I know some people can get really anal about this and they've got it figured out and they're doing the calculation in their head. I kind of like the idea when the, when they do the math for you and it's on the end of the receipt and it'll say 15% is this, 18 is that, 20 is, you know, however many dollars. I like that. But I'll tell you what, there's been a few times where I've made mistakes on my tipping and I've been extra generous without realizing it. And, you know, it used to be, you know, you do the 15% and, okay, I, I can do 10% of my head really fast. And then then you do an additional half of that and you get 15. Well, now I just do 20. So it's just 10% times two. And I can do that quickly in my head and I round up. But I remember like it was, I think it was like maybe a few months ago and, you know, had a gin martini and was feeling good about myself. And I remember when I signed off, I did the whole thing of 10% times two is 20%. But I think what I did is I did 20% and then I times two and I ended up giving a 40% tip. And then I think I realized that, you know, like a few moments after I had signed the ticket and then I looked at it again and I said, wow, that's a really generous tip. And I, uh, oh, well, and just let it go. <laughs> so it's just funny, the psychology of this and how I felt about it, how I feel about it now. What's the rule? What do people expect? Um, it's just crazy. Now, there's a couple of segments of an article that I like to read to you because I think this is interesting. There are some people apparently that have tried to fix this system. They've, they've tried to essentially have a comprehensive uh, resolution to this confusion. And um, I'll just read this piece. Another potential remedy is the one promoted most famously by New York restaurateur Danny Meyer, whose Union Square Hospitality Group in 2015 began abolishing tipping in most of its 18 restaurants, incorporating extra cost into menu prices. His company pays salaries commensurate with employees' skills and experience. It also offers benefits such as health care, paid vacation, sick leave, 401k plans, and all fairly standard workplace practices, but very rare in the restaurant business. So you're thinking, hey, hey, here's a guy that's maybe a little bit more enlightened, trying to solve the mystery, make it simple and easy to do business, at the same time reward of his, his employees. But apparently, not all of Meyer's fellow restaurateurs are on board with his solution. Several restaurants that tried gratuity-free dining, including upmarket spots such as Agurn in New York City and Le Pigeon in Portland, Oregon, have abandoned the experiment. Although USHG, that's his company, United Square Hospitality Group, remains committed to the no-tipping model, according to Aaron Moran, the group's chief culture officer, the chief culture officer. Um, apparently, the company suffered a big spike in server turnover in the first few months of the transition, although that has stabilized. So this gets to the point where I think a lot of servers 
you know, some of them love the tip concept because they know that if they do a great job, they're going to make tremendously more. Others, maybe they don't like that part of it. And so it's interesting how the do-gooders come forward with these plans to try to help those people at the minimum wage. But sometimes in doing so, they end up disrupting the model and making it more difficult for the worker in the first place. That's intriguing to me. Um, So, yeah, here, many workers oppose getting rid of the tips. Indeed, many workers who rely on tips oppose getting rid of them. A 2016 study by the University of California, Irvine, found that no tipping policies, specifically those meant to abolish the tip credit and set a minimum wage of $15 per hour, may lower the overall income of servers, even those at mass market chain restaurants. The servers I interviewed reported median hourly wages of $30. The range was $18 to $50 an hour, with the wage going much higher than that at more upscale restaurants, according to this professor who did the research at UC Irvine. So you can see in some cases, the workers want that tip system because they end up making a lot more money. I mean, set aside the fact that as a consumer, we're bamboozled and confused and uncertain. uh, But those that are in the business, they know how to provide excellent customer service, and they know that that's going to typically translate into a lot more income for them. So apparently some states tried to reform the system, met more resistance. So one recent attempt at reform in Washington, D.C. exemplifies how contentious this topic can be. Um, Called Initiative 77, it would have phased out by 2026 the sub-minimum wage earned by D.C. bartenders, hairstylists, barbers, restaurant waitstaff, and other tip workers currently at $3.89 an hour versus the $13.25 minimum wage of a full minimum wage in the district. So this this goes back to how certain states, well, in this case, it's the District of Columbia, their minimum wage, they have two tiers. You know, they have the regular minimum wage. And then for all these categories of workers that are typically compensated for tips, their minimum wage is like the same minimum wage I earned when I was you know, 16 years old back in, you know, the early 1980s. Um, So some owners, of course, oppose the measure as too costly, right? Because it was going to raise the amount that they pay from, you know, essentially $10 an hour per employee. Um, Wait staff were also divided. Some welcomed the measure, um, stabilizing effect on their incomes, which makes sense. Yeah. So their income doesn't go up and down. Others viewed it as a needlessly disruptive and like the subjects in McKenzie's study said it would lower their overall pay. Wow. So. In some cases, some workers like it. Other cases, they don't. So this Initiative 77 in Washington, D.C. was approved as a ballot measure last June. But in October, the city council repealed it, outraging the 56 percent of D.C. voters who voted to pass it. That's crazy. So, you know, we talk, I talked about this a little bit before in the Elections Are Rigged podcast. The notion of democracy is just getting eroded. Here's another case. The voters voted for a repeal. Excuse me. The voters voted to get rid of the tipping and just have a standard flat rate. And um, and the the city council repealed it, even though 56 percent voted for it. 
there is now a movement to repeal the repeal. <laughs> so there's a movement to reinstate this idea of um, essentially eliminating the tipping culture. Um, and in Maine, in the state of Maine, voters passed an almost identical measure in 2016. It, too, was quickly overturned by the state legislature, bowing to the restaurant industry. All right. So now we get into cronyism. We get into regulations that rig the system and all that. Um, it is fascinating to me. Like if you're going to have a minimum wage, all right, it should be one minimum wage. It shouldn't be a different minimum wage depending on the industry you work in. I mean, that seems kind of ridiculous. And again, we can argue the whole concept of minimum wage, but I'll set that aside because I think that's a separate topic. But it is interesting that people have tried to eliminate the minimum wage, excuse me, eliminate the tipping culture, raise the wage of the workers, and then they get resistance not only from the restaurant industry, but even from the workers themselves, which is incredible. So, so anyways, what's the solution to this? I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, what's the what's the utopian version of all this? I have no idea. And I know that whatever is enacted, it's going to tweak some people. The, you know, some people will love it. Some people will hate it. So I don't know if there really is an answer to this. I mean, really, I don't. So I just figured that the right answer is to do what I've been doing, which I think I've been expressing in this podcast. Just live your life according to your own values. So. You know, if you think people um, on a minimum wage should be making more, if you believe in the concept of a living wage, then just tip more. You know, this is the thing that you can control. I mean, the only we talk about this as well. You, the only thing you can control is yourself. You can't control everybody else. Um, so the one thing you can do is if you believe that these workers deserve more, that they're not getting paid promptly, uh, properly by the man, I put that in air quotes, if they are not getting a full living wage, then just be more generous in your tipping and that'll go a long way. And imagine if great numbers of people did that. Um, and, and for me also, I'm a free market guy, you know, and I love the whole notion of the gig economy. So the fact that you're paying the worker directly with a tip, that that's empowering. You know, you're you're directly rewarding the person that's giving you that that service. And so I think that's a great thing as well. So I think the best thing to do is just to live your life according to your own values. And and as far as the the grander scheme is, the the system, the process, I mean it's just way too complicated, way too culturally ingrained, you know, I, so I, I think we just have to acknowledge reality. This is the system that exists and tipping is a part of the way it works and, you know, the way things ought to be versus the way things are. I think we just have to accept reality. This is the way things are um, and we should tip accordingly. So um, I do have an open invitation. I would love to have direct experiences from people that are waiters, waitresses, if you um, work in the hotel industry, if you are an Uber driver, a taxi driver, I would love for you to join me here on the John Riley Project. Let's have a 30-minute conversation, 45 minutes. I'd love to hear some of your stories because I'll bet you've got some great ones where people were, were tight asses like I used to be um, or people that were extraordinarily generous and probably some crazy things that happened where people had very unusual requests 
and then they tipped you very um, generously because of that. So I'd love to learn more about your story. So that invitation is on the table if you'd like to join me. And then even if you don't want to come on and do a podcast, reach out to me on social media, share your story. I'm going to, you know, of course, post this podcast and it'll be on my Facebook page, John Riley Project, on my Twitter, John Riley Poway. Um, it'll also be in my YouTube channel. So leave a comment there. I'd love to. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts. And and even as a consumer, what do you do? What What are your rules? What tip percentages do you use? When do you? become extra generous? When do you not leave a tip at all? Um, have you had crazy experiences? I'm fascinated. I'd like to learn more about this. Um, okay. So, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Episode 84. Can you believe it? So we're uh, getting closer and closer to episode 100. So that'll be a big party here at the John Riley Project, uh, the fabulous JRP podcast studio. So hopefully we can have some fun with that. So that's coming up soon. Um, hey, if, you, if you'd love to help out, and, and I really would appreciate your help, share this podcast with people. I'm trying to build the audience. Maybe you like what we're doing. You know, share it with a friend. You know, um, let them know about the John Riley Project. Send them a link. You know, you can look us up on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and of course, every episode's on YouTube. So just search for John Riley Project. You'll find us there. We got this purple logo with the light bulb and and that's kind of our logo and I'm, I'm going to probably do a podcast soon that explains my logo because there's a story behind it um, but at any rate the uh, um, you'll, you'll see the, the John Riley Project look for us uh, you can get all of our episodes there I would love if you could subscribe on YouTube that'd be great I'm really working very hard right now to get our YouTube subscriptions up and of course you can always you know like or follow us on all the other social media platforms if you think we deserve it, leave a review. Um, if you think we deserve five stars, I'd really appreciate it. That would make a difference in actually building more credibility for the project. Um, okay, so uh, my closing quote uh, for today is from a gentleman named Jacob Tomsky, and he wrote a, a book called Heads in Beds, a reckless memoir of hotels, hustles, and the so-called hospitality industry. And I picked this quote because it was about the tipping you know, concept. And he said... And this is a good one. Tipping change is bad luck, people. If you can't if you can't round your generosity up to a whole dollar, then just embrace your cheapness. Don't try to pay off your guilty conscience with quarters. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I God, I was that guy a long time ago where I would have to get it exactly to 15% and I would be pulling out coins or when they leave coins in the tray, I would use those coins as part of the tip and I'd figure it out. And I'm like, what the hell was I doing? So um, I'm enlightened. I'm, um, um, I've evolved. I, maybe in the world of tipping, I'm woke. I've, I've experienced the wokeness in culture when it comes to tipping. I made that evolution started about 10 years ago. And so maybe you've made a similar evolution. Love to hear your story. So anyway, thanks for joining me here on the John Riley Project, episode 84. How much do you tip? And I've had a great time with you. I hope you've enjoyed this. Thank you very much, friends. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. <music>